You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, what a wild and wacky Sunday we got to enjoy, and now we are ready to unpack it. Welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app, watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube, and follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora shares his biggest takeaways from Week 8, where we saw a lot of backup quarterbacks take over in key situations and some big favorites getting upset or not covering the numbers. And that's where we will start. First, the Kansas City Chiefs get upset by the Denver Broncos of all teams. It's true. Denver plus 275 on the money line cashes as they knock off Kansas City 24 to 9. This game felt all kinds of crazy, what with weather conditions and then finding out Pat Mahomes had flu-like symptoms. Javante Williams went way over his rushing number. Alt numbers also got there. Russell Wilson had three touchdowns. Mahomes, two picks. Kansas City lost three fumbles. But as far as the biggest takeaways and things that we should be taking with us going forward, Joe, what stands out to you? Perfect example of why you need to follow the betting market. I don't care what you think of the game. I don't care how you expect it to be planned out and what kind of trend you have. Uh, because we talked about that number, how he's never uh, lost a road game in the division, which is just crazy to say for as much football as he's played, that it'll eventually happen. And he had a perfect record against ever going into that game. So eventually it's going to go the other way. And you needed everything to go the wrong way for the Chiefs for it to occur. But we kept saying, like, why is this number coming down? What are we missing? Why is this number coming down? And I pro- the sickness, I'm buying into it. I totally believe it, based on the version of Pat Mahomes that we saw. And and you hinted at it, like, everything that could go wrong, in addition to Mahomes being sick. Just look at, look at the turnovers in the red zone. 0 for 3 in the red zone, Chiefs offense, against the worst defense in the NFL. Five turnovers against the worst defense in the NFL. If you look at turnovers and fourth down failures, Aaron, it was in favor of Denver 7-2. to two. You're not going to win any games when it's, <laughs> when it's uh, minus five on your, on your side. Yeah, I remember on Friday, I kept saying, like, why am I getting such good value on Pat Mahomes over one and a half passing touchdowns? What is going on? Someone must have known that the flu was running through his whole family. I didn't know about it on Friday. I wish I did. I'm going to put myself in jail coming up later in the show for that. because I, I definitely took the bait on the good number there. I feel like a total loser today for that. I can't even imagine 
playing in an NFL game and being a quarterback with the flu, having to get IVs. And he just did not look like himself. There was no heroics. There was no late game comeback. I'm not going to overreact too much to what I saw. I do Pat Mahomes and his receivers just haven't been able to find a way to get much chemistry yet going this season. But I think overall, is it great? No, but I'm not going to overreact too much if it's just the flu and hopefully the Chiefs can get back to who they are moving forward. We have seen other offenses in the National Football League have quarterbacks who are not 100% for whatever reason, whether it's the Mm -hmm. flu or a, a thumb injury or whatever the case is, and they're still able to perform at a high level because the rest of the team can carry said quarterback. That is not the case with the Chiefs. If anything goes wrong with Pat Mahomes, they are in big, big trouble. Much as we love Travis Kelsey, I'm certainly a big fan of Rasheed Rice. He is a rookie. He is still in that developmental process, and I think the sky's the limit for him. But the problem is this offense cannot carry a quarterback. It is the other way around. So if anything goes wrong with Mahomes, then the Chiefs are in big trouble. And that's exactly what we saw. He was certainly staying in the pocket too long. He averaged a time to throw throw of uh, 3.43 seconds, which leads me to believe that he was just kind of standing there much of the time. And these were, say, secondary sacks or trying to force something out of nothing. And usually Mahomes is really, really good at ad-libbing. Like, that's his best quality, and it's something that maybe two other quarterbacks total have this ability to do, and that is to ad-lib. But if you are sick and you can't get out of the pocket with any kind of consistency, then there's really nothing for you to do. And even as bad as this Broncos pass defense has been all season long, it is still a professional pass defense. And that's the (laughs) thing that we have to remind ourselves is that as as much as we may want to diss any particular unit, they are still professionals out there. And if you're going up against someone who is infirmed, then these things are going to happen. And knowing that is the biggest deal here. Uh, Meanwhile, when it comes to the Broncos, like, okay, here's another example of uh, Russell Wilson uh, actually playing well. And that also matters. Like, yes, the Broncos are, are not making the playoffs, but it's certainly possible under the right conditions for Denver to upset a couple of teams going forward, Joe. And you can run on the Chiefs. And we saw that again yesterday. You can run mm-hmm. on the Chiefs. And, and that's what the, that's the majority of what they did. Now, look, <laughs> Denver didn't even have 250 total yards of offense yesterday. So, I mean, it, it really is about the turnovers. And they had less than 100 passing yards. But they, were a, they got the lead early, and they were co- able to control the game with 130. 53 rushing yards behind Javante Williams ended up being top five on the day going into Monday night football. But yeah, you, you, there was never that point like, okay, now's the, now's the buy time. Now you go because I looked mid second quarter Broncos were already favored to win that game. Mid second two and a half quarters left to go. Like there wasn't that feeling This is when it turns, and the Chiefs are just going to run away with this. We've seen this before, slow start, and they're going to take over. It's Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey time. Like, no, that that just never happened yesterday. I don't think Russell Wilson actually did play that well. I know he had three touchdown passes, but they barely had over 100 passing yards. He was sacked four times, fumbled twice, lost one. He holds on to the ball too long. It was not pretty, in my opinion. They just got, they ran into a good situation. But I, I do like mm-hmm. Joe's point about running the ball. You can't, maybe Sean Payton learned something yesterday. You should run <laughs> the ball more. 
<laughs> well, there, there is that, you know, what, whatever it takes to win a ball game, I suppose. A lot of short fields and, and Russell Wilson, I, I suppose, took advantage of that. And that that to me is why, OK, you know, given a gift, he took the gift. And in that regard, uh, the Broncos came out on top with, you know, a, not, not say a convincing win where you love Denver in every game going forward. Like it's not like Sean Payton has unlocked something that I think we can right. say for certain. But at least they do have this victory. And yes, under the right circumstances, they can upset just about anybody. But they need those right circumstances. How long, how often will they get them? That's where the research comes in. And that's probably the lesson to take away from a game like this. Let's move on now to the Bengals and the 49ers. To me, of all the games we saw yesterday in terms of implications for championship futures, all that stuff, this to me seemed like the biggest because Certainly the quarterback situation with the 49ers was, you know, volatile to say the least, but Brock Purdy wound up playing Joe Burrow. How healthy was he going to be off the bye? That was a big question, but ultimately it was the Bengals covering the number winning outright 31 to 17 since he plus 180 on the money line. Joe Burrow looked outstanding. Jamar Chase looked outstanding. We can discuss how Brock Purdy looked in that ball game, but suffice to say, <laughs> Bengals are back. I'm with you. That's the lead. Now, depending which side you're on, that's probably going to be your lead. So if you were thinking, this is the spot for Cincinnati, off the bye, more time for Burrow to heal, uh, then you think that's the lead. And if you were on San Francisco to finally bounce back, but not get to a three-game losing streak, um, their demise <laughs> at the time <laughs> would, would be your lead there. But yeah, no, I'm with you. It's about Burrow being back. And man, Look, I mean, completion percentage above expectation, number one in the NFL yesterday. Four for five in the red zone. That's been a common theme in the NFL this year about team struggles in the red zone, and they go 80%. Beyond that, an 85-yard touchdown drive, a 78-yard touchdown drive, it was super impressive, and the Niners' defense couldn't do much. Now, we're not sitting here saying that the Bengals numbers wise are the best offense on the field. I mean, there were some that when you follow the, the stats, okay, I guess they did a better job, but for Cincinnati to go on the road to put up 31 points and Burrow didn't look like anything uh, we've seen in the past. Like we had that conversation. Is there time for Burrow to get into this MVP conversation? Maybe, maybe there is, maybe there is a Bengals. Are they doing Bengals things? where they just take off uh, after their early struggles. Maybe, maybe it just took a little bit longer due to the injury. I'm glad we got to this because my biggest takeaway was I have to give Ed some props. The Bengals were your preseason Super Bowl favorite, weren't they? And they were. Uh, they were. I was going to say, you look surprised. I was like, I thought they were. And here they are. I <laughs> oh, still yeah, think yeah. the Ravens look really good too, um, but – here come the Bengals. T. Higgins also finally getting things together. He had a rough uh, first half. I know he he did have a rib injury, but even before that, he didn't look like the same guy, and now he's right. taken off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he certainly has. Uh, when you look at that ball game with Joe Burrow, under pressure, folks, under pressure, 13 of 13, 136 yards, two touchdowns, completion percentage over expected of 37.1%. That is outrageous, but that's confidence in your health that you don't have to move around or mess with your timing. 
lot of folks mentioned uh, Joe Burrow playing more under center. Certainly that's suggesting his athleticism is just fine. He was also on the run a good bit more, making passes uh, when he was running at least eight miles per hour or more for next-gen stats. That was impressive. Outside the box, he looked a good bit more comfortable. All of those things that we wanted to see from Joe Burrow to say that he is back, I think he did these things. And he did it against a defense that we largely respect. That's also a big deal. Now, you could also make the argument that the 49ers defense has regressed a little bit, that there's been a little bit of turnover, and that's mm-hmm. a conversation certainly worth having. But the fact that Joe Burrow did this against any defense that we at least have some respect for, to me, that is huge. That is really, really important. As for Brock Purdy, <laughs> obviously the conversation out there, should he even have been playing with you know concussion protocol, things like that? Certainly that's a fair conversation to have. To me, the biggest takeaway, putting the concussion aside for one moment, is that he is struggling against zone coverages. His two worst zone games of his entire career were last week against the Vikings and this week against the Bengals. That is not good. And specifically, it's cover three that is bothering him so much. Now, when you take out cover three coverages in terms of how well Purdy has played, He has a 57.1% success rate. That is the highest in the National Football League. Brock Purdy can still be a great quarterback, but there is now a blueprint for beating him. And so if there is a takeaway for me regarding the 49ers, if there is a defense that plays really good cover three and really good zone, they are going to cause Brock Purdy some trouble, Joe. We knew that we knew that Lou Anaruma was going to be prepared for this spot, and he obviously saw that. And he said, let's go 17, 17, 17. That's how many points the 49ers have scored during this three game losing streak. They have not cracked the 20 mark. And we looked really dumb after spending all summer saying that the Niners under the win total was, was a strong play and how much we loved it. We looked really dumb after that Dallas game and they're five and zero. well, now we sit here and they're five and three. Oh, do they need this buy? They are very lucky this buy is coming. And, you know, the the amazing thing, Aaron, is here. Like, okay, at Cleveland, you hadn't lost yet. You could see it. It was the best defense in football, right? It made sense. But Cincinnati was was having their struggles defensively. Minnesota was viewed as a bottom five defense. I think the numbers would back that up uh, before Monday night's game. Like, now they're struggling offensively against defenses that haven't done much counting stats wise yeah purdy 365 yeah kittle 149 but the point is that there were there ended up being a lot of garbage time at the end uh to to get to those numbers yeah i mean we kept saying when is purdy gonna turn into a pumpkin and the bad ball raid we knew it was probably coming eventually but two more interceptions a lost fumble in the second half You just can't have it. I do think I was higher on Eric Armstead, though. He was able to get after Burrow. So if there was anything positive on the Niners' side, I did like what I saw from him. It is fascinating that, you know, with Purdy's struggles, you know, we're having this conversation about should he have even been out there? But the other option is Sam Darnold, right? Like all of these quarterback concerns during the offseason and all the moves that they made, Trey Lance, things like that, Now it's coming back to haunt the 49ers a little bit because there now is a blueprint out there and they are facing Mm -hmm. some good defenses coming up. Now the 49ers look a little bit more vulnerable. 
This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we continue to deconstruct NFL Week 8, including if we are now officially a Seahawks show. I believe Joe has some poetry he would like to recite about Jake Bobo. That's right here on the BetQL Network. (laughs)